Hello, Hive Nation. Welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we have leading experts in personal and professional development share their journeys and expertise to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce our first guest of 2024. Thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to uh, y'all who are just uh, tuning in here for the first time. But today, we have uh, Master Corporal Chance Burles with us today from Edmonton. And uh, Chance has has a great background again, a uh, uh, military background. Um, eight years tour, or eight years in the, as a combat engineer, eight month tour duty in Afghanistan. Uh, he took that experience and made it into a uh, a trainer and a leader and a teacher now. And um, it, it's fun because we talked about his uh, and part of his bio. He says that he's a leader and a follower. And if you uh, if you follow Chance at all, you would understand exactly what he means by that. And so I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but um, so Chance, uh, thanks for being on the show first of all, uh, and welcome to the Hive Nation podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited. This could be a it's gonna be a good combo. So so Chance uh, also for the people who don't know Chance, Chance uh, uh, and Sean Taylor have a podcast called The Collective, and uh, it drops every day, believe it or not. So. Chance doesn't get a chance to, uh, pun intended, <laughs> uh, Chance doesn't get a chance to to be in front of the mic as much as we're going to have him here today. So he's going to have his opportunity uh, in the sun, as per se, uh, today with us, uh, talking to us directly about his experiences. So Chance, um, can you tell us about like how we talked about the ability that you have to train and teach and lead, you know, our, our next generation of of kids coming up uh throughout the military absolutely so uh i became a recruit instructor back in 2012 uh beginning in 2012 something like that and uh i, I went to a school a little school call in meaford ontario so it's just outside of um wasega beach a little bit away from london all that stuff um beautiful little spot probably the only place in ontario that i actually enjoyed being <laughs> i born and bred alberta boy I not a uh, was not a fan of the Ontario lifestyle, but uh, enjoyed uh, meat for while I was there. And what I found was teaching it really it brought home the fact that I was the example. And so I had to really up my game as to you know being a being better so that the recruits saw what they were capable of, and that if they could maintain the standard that I was setting that would set them up for the next standard and that would set them up for the next standard and so on and so forth as they went down their career. And so uh, I spent a lot of time when I was there just really finding work. That was my big one. And that uh, I didn't realize I was doing it until many years later when I actually took some time to reflect on the whole situation. But that's what it, I was just looking for work. I was, uh, I was there on a posting with IR, which is called, uh, imposed restrictions. So my wife was still in Edmonton and I was in Ontario. So I was by myself <laughs> and I was like, I'm bored. What am I going to do? You know, I could sit around and do nothing or I can drive around and waste gas or I could hang out on base and get better. So that's what I would do. And I would study, I would study the, uh, whatever I was teaching that week, or I would, um, spend the time doing extra stuff. Like, uh, they got, they asked me one day if I wanted to go out and blow some things up and I was like why yes yes I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely and there and so I did it a, a couple of times to help out range control and and they were like well you know you're the only guy qualified on base right now to do any of this stuff so is it okay if we just like give you a phone and then you can we can just call you anytime and I'm like yes <laughs> again I will anything you need absolutely uh help me out and uh that that developed my this kind of concept of just constantly looking for work. I was like, okay, well, I can help out here. Cool. Well, I can help out there. I can help out there. And that enabled me to learn more about whatever subject I was teaching. So I would help out with the, um, like in the vault with the CQs and the RQs and stuff like that. So I would learn more about the, the rifles and the, the machine guns, stuff like that in terms of storage, in terms of maintenance, in terms of all these other things that I can then pass on to the recruits when I was running courses and that was the big one for me was making sure that the recruits that I turned out to the next, uh, down the pipeline were squared away and that I 
I had absolutely no doubt of them getting through. And one of the reasons why I, I was so adamant on that was that when I went through recruit training, there were people that I, I didn't really agree with the fact that they were making it through and was kind of mind blown that they would make it to a unit or make it to a regiment or, you know, head off to the next section lackluster, I guess. And so I was like, that's not happening under my watch. So I made absolutely sure that they were going to be uh, exactly what they should be <laughs> when they get to that next unit. And that was the big one was constantly teaching, constantly learning, constantly um, following the rules more than I ever did while I was in the regiment, <laughs> if that makes any sense, right? You know, you know, there's a line, okay, maintain the lane. You're, you're a school, this is a school. So everything needs to be exactly the way you're teaching it. Otherwise you're, uh, you're just being a hypocrite kind of deal. So that was my, <laughs> my foray into being an instructor. And then it's, yeah, it's gone from there. It's been pretty awesome. So then you basically took some of your experiences that you saw that maybe were flawed, if you want to call it that, and then, you know, put your, made your own spin on it in order for that not to happen again. Is that what you're, is that what you're referring to a little bit? Basically. Yeah. And, uh, I, for an example, like one of the classes that I was supposed to teach is called ether, which is explosive threat, hazard awareness and recognition. And it's just like, how, what, what do mines look like? What do you, bombs look like? What do missiles look like? What do uh, explosive ordnance, just different pieces of that. And it's, it's dry. <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's not a fun course to go through. Like, here's a picture of an anti-tank mine from Russia. Here's a picture of an anti-tank mine from Italy. Here's an anti-tank mine from Croatia. Like it's, it's, it's a hard subject to kind of go through. So I was looking at it to see if there was any way we could um, clean it up a little bit because the people that I was teaching weren't, going into combat engineer trades they were uh, initially it was a lot of reservists and a lot of um, uh, support trades that weren't designed for that kind of um, they didn't need the depth of knowledge that was basically was the package right and so i was looking at ways to trim it up and i found that it was highly uh like it was full of counter ied stuff so you know direct from afghanistan counter IED and I'm like these guys a lot of them are like mechanics and cooks and clerks and things like that that and they're not going to Afghanistan right now so they don't really need this kind of uh this depth of experience so I'm going to trim this down a little bit and I, I spent the time and I redrafted a package for it and I gave them a, a more basic look at you know mines basic look at bombs and kind of peeled it apart so that it was digestible in a compact for uh compact form nobody asked me to do it i just rewrote the <laughs> rewrote the book and then kind of handed it back to my chain of command and they were like this is this is awesome i'm going to send it up to the next level and eventually it turned out that it, that became the uh the standard course layout for the next chunk of time based on that and, and it's little things like that of you know i this doesn't look right I'm going to fix it and then just come up with a solution, bam, put it out there and you know, let the system work. But, um, I think that a lot of the experience that, or that I was drawing from was the fact of coming home from Afghanistan and seeing the, the overly dogmatic approach to the way, that we, uh, the recruits were being taught and it wasn't as, um, I don't know. There wasn't as much depth of thought put into it. It was just like, well, this is the way it's done. So we're just going to keep doing it this way without any sort of evolution to it. And that was really what I wanted to do was provide a better experience for those trainees or those recruits going through so that they could show up again to that next course over-prepared rather than under-prepared. That makes sense for sure. And I think, you know, a guy with yourself, with that kind of experience, you know, to pass that on, almost like not like a teacher obviously but almost like a mentor is at the same time you know that that would go well on uh, you know some of those young kids that are coming up yeah i had uh interestingly enough I, I had a young guy who i had taught he got posted to edmonton uh after he had done all of his training and i had released from the military and i he, he saw me in a grocery store <laughs> he was like mascore burles and i was like 
<laughs> I've been out of the army for like a year. Eddie, that's not me. Yeah, like, what's happening? I don't understand, right? Kind of freaked me out. And then um, he was like, uh, he had, he told me afterwards, we were chatting for a bit and he was like, man, I just wanted to say thank you. Like you, you set us up for that next course. It was, it was basically a breeze as we walked through it. Cause you were, I was a bit hard on people. <laughs> uh, I was, they actually, they took a vote at one, one point while we were in the field on who was the biggest dick instructor. And <laughs> <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it was the, the reason being is that I didn't, there was no leeway. Yeah. You either met the standard or you didn't. Mm. So I like, I, and I didn't play games. So I would call it out immediately. I wouldn't let things just kind of slide or like, well, it's not that big of a deal right now. It was like hundred percent. You need to sort this out. And a fun little story I like to tell is that uh, I got called a master sergeant at one point in time and we don't have master sergeants in the Canadian military. So I was like, Oh, I guess everybody needs a refresher on the Canadian forces rank system. So we all, we all got down in the push-up position and I started doing chain push-ups with them. And we were like, you know, so everybody's in the push-up position and just waiting. And then I point at one person and private next corporal, next sergeant, next, <laughs> just, and all the way through army, Navy, air force. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was uh, not thrilled with that, but I didn't get called a master sergeant again for a little while. <laughs> so it was like, well yeah and the funny you get called a master sergeant pretty regularly because of the fact you have a command team of a sergeant and a master corporal mm -hmm. and during an inspection nobody really knows who's going to come into the room first so you just kind of bust through the uh the doorway into this inspection and people get flustered uh yes ma uh, so, uh and they don't really know who it is right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i guess i took advantage of a little bit but <laughs> it was fun it, it taught a, a very specific lesson because i mean rank seems like something small shouldn't be that big of a deal it is <laughs> it needs to be uh, maintained because it, it it bleeds into everything else so the all the little things that you think don't really apply to anything else those apply the most to the big things so if you want to be able to use a machine gun well you got to know the inner workings of it and if you need to know the inner workings of it well you got to be able to attention you got to pay attention to those little details of what moves with what and why do those things move those together? How do I make that work better? And then you don't have as many stoppages or jams or anything like that when you're actually using it. So in your teaching, sorry, in your teaching and facilitating kind of evolution and process, you talked about how you realized the old process was maybe a little too dogmatic and that you're very detail oriented. So in your teaching methods, are you pulling from past instructors you had that were good, bad, or otherwise, plus this is the way my philosophy is and kind of culminating that into what you're putting out to the next generation? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, I pull lessons like what to do, obviously from, uh, from instructors that were awesome that I looked up to and were like, man, these guys are really knowledgeable and what not to do from people who are not as uh, suited for that particular skill set. And I, I don't, you know what, I don't even mean suited. That's not a great word for it, but um, they didn't put the effort, as much effort into doing that particular job. Um, and that, that was a big one for me was that I, I wanted to, as an instructor, I wanted to emulate the people that I really respected as instructors. And one of the first things that, uh, that came to my mind when I thought about that was they're knowledgeable. So like they have to know what they're talking about, not, not think they know what they're talking about, not be able to reference a book. No. So if somebody had a question, they would have the answer for you right there. Um, and that was my, well, when it comes to a specialty, especially with the, uh, the combat engineers, like we have to know so much in terms of the actual, what the job is. So like mobility, counter mobility and survivability all have to do they're all three very different things. And, you know, being able to build a road is very different than being able to build a bridge. And that's very different from clearing a minefield. And that's very different from dealing with explosives. And we have to know all of it. So as a really good engineers are really broad generalists, they can, and they can utilize skill sets from one thing and kind of apply it to the other. And, kind of come back and forth to it. Whereas the instructors that were 
highly dogmatic and had to like, I got to go to the, we're going to go to the book. What does this look like? They were less fluid, I guess. They weren't able to like jump from thing to thing to thing. And as an engineer, that was, was crucial because that was a lot of it was you just, okay, now you're doing this job. Okay, stop doing that job. Now you're doing this job. Okay, stop doing that job. Now you're doing this job. <laughs> and then go back to the first job and remember where you were and be able to kind of run through it. So it was uh, the ability to uh, adapt and flow. Made, and this is, again, as a facilitator, that's kind of what I do now as a moderator for the show is that I got to be able to flow with what's happening and where the conversation is going to be able to deliver to the show, right? So if, um, you know, as we were talking earlier, somebody goes on a bit of a tangent, I can't dogmatically hold on to the fact that, well, no, we were going to talk about perspective today and now we're not talking about like, no, <laughs> be able to flow with it and just like, okay, well, cool. We're going that direction. Okay. Well, let's, and, and also at the same time, recognize when you are out in the weeds, like you're not just taking a detour. You're not going the long way to get to a point. You're now somewhere in the swamp wandering around lost okay let's bring it back to the point back over here so there's a uh there's a lot of fluidity that I, i've i guess developed over time through trying to be at that facilitator trying to be that um you know as, as we were saying earlier I, I really like seeing uh the recruits get aha moments so you know when they get it when they got a concept rather than why you're doing something or they get, they understood why they're doing something rather than just that they're doing something. One of the perfect um, examples was defilade fire. I was trying to explain it, I was trying to explain it. And it's for those that don't know when you're shooting defilade, it means you're shooting, uh, you're not just shooting at a target, you're shooting at a target that's below. So you're arcing your rounds down into them. And uh, it's mostly used for if, someone is in depth or behind a hill or something like that you can shoot kind of over the hill and arc it in um and then uh, there's also a thing called a beaten zone where you know machine guns are not the most accurate weapons right they're not meant for precise work but if you know your beaten zone which is where the spray of your bullets will kind of carry into a cone if you know that beaten zone you can be very strict you can be very uh, surgical with it and you can use that to kind of move people around versus uh just kind of shooting in a general direction thinking that it works and when uh when recruits would like get that and go oh that's how it's used <laughs> you know you, you feel like it as an instructor i always felt that was the most um rewarding moments for it because like okay, they got it. We can move on now. We don't need to stay here and keep doing this stuff. And I think uh, it just kind of got built out more and more and more as I got out of the military and I started doing advocacy work. It was the same kind of deal. Veteran comes to me and says, hey man, I don't, don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, the VA has this program that you can utilize for X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know that program existed. I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. Well, let me hook you up with a, this person and get you linked up with that person. And just kind of pass that information off to the next person and then you know builds the network builds the uh the capacity of all of us together so that the the team gets better every day <laughs> you know that was a good point though that you made there before about you know being quote unquote the dick uh you know trainer or, or teacher everybody we always we always come across like those hard situations in life right and they, it, it could have been a coach it could be a teacher it could be a mentor but there's some of them are doing it for a reason and you don't know it at the time because you know you're young and you're you're uh, like you know it all you're the best at everything right and uh, so you never really take that in as you know as a life learning lesson until it may be two five ten fifteen years down the road like oh yeah uh, Master Corporal Burroughs told me about that how many years ago. I see why he said yeah. that now or why he did it like that. I called him a dick behind his back, but actually he's uh, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> so I, I got this story. Uh, it's one of my one of my favorite moments that I had in the military because it I, I watched it, it. It sounds bad, but I watched everybody kind of realize how badly they'd screwed up. <laughs> 
and it was like everybody. Um, and so we were in the field and we're, uh, you know, I got a course of recruits. They're doing their final exercise before they get, they graduate out of course and move on. And, uh, while we're out there, I'm walking around and, you know, I find this really great long walking stick. Like it's just the right size. It works perfectly. And it was the winter time. And it was in this, like, you know, when the snow freezes that first like inch, but then it's soft snow underneath. So you're just constantly like breaking through ice and it's brutal on the knees and the course staff were coming back and forth between the lines and stuff. So I started using this stick to kind of help get myself around. And, uh, I, I came across a glove and I was like, hmm, who's, uh, whose glove is this? And I pick it up and there's no name on it. Interesting. Okay. And I just put it on top of my stick and I started walking around with it. And then I found a, a bungee cord and I was like, okay, well, put it up on the stick. And, and like, we're, we're out there for a week. So I'm, I'm finding stuff <laughs> all over the place and socks and boots. And I found a, um, a C9 barrel at one point and like every so often I'd get one of the recruits that would come up to me and be like, uh, Master Corporal, you have one of my gloves. I'm like, oh, do, do I? Is it on, is it on the stick? And so like, it was this, this stick full of stuff, right? And it was bungee corded and strapped. And I called it my, uh, my stick of, uh, my walking stick of lost kit plus one. And just cause I'm a geek and the, and the, uh, so I'm walking around with this, this cane and this stick and then every so often your crews would come up and ask for something and I'd be like, okay, cool. And I would, you know, make them pay for it and they'd do some pushups or some jumping jacks or whatever. And there you go. You know, learn a lot. Don't make me, don't. Let me find your stuff again. again. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm a week, a week and change of this. And finally, you know, the X is coming to an end and I still got this stick with all the stuff on it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this belongs to people. We should probably figure out what's going on. And at the end of every exercise, one of the things you do is called declaration. You have to declare to everybody, uh, to your chain of command that you have no explosives, no rounds, no, um, you know, any accoutrements, you're not carrying any extra grenades or anything out of the field. And then you say, and I have all my kit, sir. So it's like a checklist, right? I don't have anything I shouldn't have. I'm not bringing anything out of the field. I have all of my stuff that I brought into the field. We're good to go. And so everyone's lined up and it's, it's like a formation. And while everybody's lined up, I take my stick and I put it right out in front of everybody, bang, in the snowbank, And I just stand there and wait. And I watch as every single one of the uh, recruits gives his declaration to the sergeants. Every single one of the sergeants comes up to the captain, gives the declaration to the captain. And the captain was just about to dismiss everybody. And I was like, sir, quick question. <laughs> and he looked at me and he looked at the staff and he went like this. <sighs> They're all yours. And he just walked off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. And I like, I just want you you to understand i want everyone here to understand you all just made each one of your sergeants lie to the captain and you just made your captain accept that lie from everybody because none of none of you people here had the intestinal fortitude to come up and get your stuff from me so that's going to end today and the look on all of the sergeants faces <laughs> can you guys can probably imagine oh yeah they were unpleased and the troops paid for it and eventually one by one they came up to the stick they asked me for the stuff and it was in front of everybody because i wanted to hammer that point home it was like this is about integrity it's about having your stuff and it's about recognizing that the little things matter and it uh it hammered that point home but it, you know people weren't pleased about it <laughs> it, uh, it made the it made it right and nobody nobody was missing any kid at the end of that day. So it, owning up to anything <laughs> like that though, like, you know, from that point on, right. Would have been very easy for those recruits. Right. And that, that's, it's a great lesson. Yeah. They'll never forget that stick. Nope. Nope. And I won't forget that stick either. That's the other oh. part, right? Like it, yeah. it became this thing for me because, and it was funny during that week when I was walking down the lines and I would talk to people and the recruits thought it was funny. They thought it was like this, oh, what'd you find on your stick there, Master Corporal? And I'm like, oh, I got a new glove and I got another bungee cord, right? Expecting that people would come and get their stuff from me while they were giggling that it was somebody else's stuff 
to begin with and it wasn't and that again part of the part of the thing is teamwork right mm -hmm. if you notice somebody's stuff on there and you know it's somebody else's maybe you should find out who it is maybe you should get them to go get it from me right yeah. or get it for them or whatever right so there's lots of lessons in that but yeah the the people that came off that course even the instructors at the end of that they came up to me and they're like man like man that was like you you wrote a line there but all right <laughs> I, I see i see where you're coming from because it could be you know you, you, there's other ways to look at it too is that i should not have put the sergeants in that position i could all i should have not have put the captain in that position I shouldn't put the recruits in that position as well so that was a big lesson for me was that like yeah there there was a line that i was holding i didn't make an announcement ahead of time though i should have so there's lots of lessons in it for them, but lots of lessons in it for me as well. Yeah. So, and again, that's what, you know, you mentioned my bio on my Instagram was that uh, leader follower. I am both. I'm a student. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I, I'm constantly trying to do both sides of it. I don't want to be just, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be the leader all the time. I don't really care. I just, I want to keep working forward. I keep wanting to do stuff, but if someone comes along and, and they have a better way to do it. Cool. Let's do it. I'm yeah. with you. And I have an obvious question. Was there anything left over on the stick at the end of the uh, lesson? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It was all claimed, and yes. uh, I was able to toss that stick into the ditch. You know, but... <laughs> so, with that story, it's I, I realize it all the time, especially uh, when I'm coaching judo, and it's can you mark it up as a teacher instructor facilitator having a good level of self-awareness and situational awareness when you know it's time to they're off on a tangent okay i gotta kind of lay the iron hammer down and go all right that's enough we're done with that we're moving on versus yeah. okay they're gonna learn this lesson the hard way or okay i have to be more empathetic here is it that to have that uh, discernment, I guess, to make decisions like that? That comes with time and it comes with doing it wrong. And it comes with being, dealing with the consequences of doing it wrong. And that that's one of the big things that I, I've learned over the last little while is that, you know, it, uh, it, it's good to experiment. It's good to try these things, but you also got to recognize that if you do it wrong, you're gonna have to deal with that and you're gonna have to manage that to the best of your ability. And so you try to make sure that those things are small, right? Versus big. Now, in that example, right, with the uh, students lined up, had the captain turned around and been like, Master Burles, you and I are going to have a discussion at the end of this and <laughs> you're not going to like it. I've been like, okay. And and I, I'm okay with that. I have no problem being uh, told. And there's actually a couple episodes on the collective where Sean has done that exact thing to me <laughs> as the warrant officer he sat me down and like you're screwing up you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing you're not you're not doing what you're saying you're doing blah blah blah, blah. sort it out yep absolutely and i think that those are lessons that we all need to be we all need to go through and then process and still keep working at it that's the big one i think where a lot of people fail on it is that you know they try something it doesn't work they get reamed out for it or they have to deal with the consequences or something bad happens and they have to then deal with it and they just swear off trying ever again because you know it bad things happened i tried stuff bad things happened well you gotta keep you gotta keep trying because and it, if you're smart about it if you you only need to have that happen a couple of times where you go okay maybe i should bring the risk level down like I can, I can still try stuff, but maybe I'll try smaller things. Okay, that works. Okay, that kind of works and just build on it. And then that way, you know, when it goes wrong or it doesn't work the way you planned it or, you know, something goes off. Cool, wake up the next morning. I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna try something else or I'm gonna try the, the right? But you're gonna keep, keep moving rather than just stopping and stagnating and not wanting to get further involved into anything. And it's a... Uh, it, it's a challenge because I look back now, you know, I just turned 41 this year. I look back 20 years when I was a, a young man trying to join the army. And I look at that guy and I'm like, man, 
he did not know anything that I'm telling you guys right now. And uh, all the mistakes that I made and all of the, uh, the, the things that I've done uh, incorrectly led to the point where I stood there in front of those, those uh, students with that staff and having full confidence that I was doing it right to the best of my ability. Had I been told afterwards that it was not right, I could then apply that directly. Whereas I think a lot, a lot of people struggle with that. It was then they get hit with that hard one and yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reach anymore. They, you know, they get that hand slapped pretty hard. They're like, eh, I'm just gonna keep this hand back here. And it, you know, you bring up judo. This happens quite a bit with um, in jujitsu as well. Because uh, I, I teach <laughs> jujitsu as well, but the, um, you know, I say this a lot when I'm on the mats: straight arms get armbarred, mm-hmm. and every single time, I have new white belts right, and they're pushing me away. Straight arms, straight arms, and I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, you, you give it to me, I'll take it, and you do that enough to the point that now, or they get to a point where, you know, all the hands are in and they're tight and they're here, and then it's like. Whew, it's a quick snap out versus, you know, I'm just going to drag this out. So, <laughs> you know, you, you got to learn those lessons and you got to learn them. You either learn them fast mm. or you learn them a bunch of times. And then, <laughs> you know, you go from there. I had a um, kind of a side note, but there's this old saying in the military. And I think, it, you know, police use it and stuff like that. Is that the beatings will continue until morale improves. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And for the longest time, I thought it was a joke. Like, oh, ha, 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 yeah, we're just going to go, you know, go sit in the suck for a little while. This is awesome, good times. And and then I heard it a little while, uh, I'd say last year, I think. I think it was last year or two years ago that I heard it on a sign, but it was said differently. And it was, the lessons will be repeated until they are learned. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, of course. Well, of course. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. It's the exact same statement, just overlaid in a different angle and and then i took it to make i then i i was it by seeing it in a different light i was able to apply it that much better and utilize it that much more and then i could actually oh right okay this is a lesson it sucks and it's a beat down cool but it's a lesson i don't want that to happen again boom apply it in the next work go around so this is exactly why coaches run practices exactly (laughs) like that that is practice if you want to sum up what chances said all in one word it's practice yeah and one thing i've noticed that i think military first responders do better than anyone because there's the definitive hierarchy here's the chain of command there's there's no blurred lines here but people struggle with uh, a peer a coach a mentor gives them constructive criticism or maybe it's all right you've messed up and then like you said they they come in and they stop doing things so do you have any strategies that you've learned chance where it's like okay yep take on my face time to move forward because i i know so many people that struggle with that as soon as you give them that negative more you know you've messed up conversation they just stop or they fight back and they or they push back and get defensive, which is get worse. defensive, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a tough one. I'm I, I still struggle with that quite a bit. Um, in in getting in getting others to see it, I think that's the that's the tough part is that you won't really see it until you want to see it. And so to get somebody to want to see that they screwed up, that's a hard lesson. And uh, the biggest one that I found was just example being absolutely humble in that in those moments and so in excuse me in uh on the jujitsu mats you know as instructor if i'm teaching a move and it's not working like the the white belts are, are struggling with it and and i'll sit there and be like well, what is wrong with this this doesn't make any sense and then i'll, I'll go and talk to the head instructor of the black belt and be like you know sir what what's i'm teaching this this way why is it not working and I do this in front of everybody so that people can see me go, you know, I'm, 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 this isn't working. I'm doing something wrong. And that's what it is. I turn it into, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying, you know, you're screwing up. You're screwing up. I'm screwing up somewhere. And there's been a couple occasions where 
my instructor will say, no, you're teaching it right. Here's some tips to explain it a little bit better. Like the move is correct, but your explanation is off. You need to emphasize this or like, where's your weight versus the pressure that you're putting on them, that kind of stuff. And then on other sides of it, where he's been like, no, that's, that's wrong. You, that's, that's two other moves that you're combining in your own head. And I'm like, okay, what's the correct move? Can you show it to us so that we can actually see? And then, then he'll, he'll correct me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So here's the new thing. And so just the, the ability to adapt and be like, yeah, I screwed up. How do I do better? Good. That's how I do it better. Excellent. And then apply it. And by showing that consistently, it shows that other people, it shows the other people in the class that, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Okay. He screwed up. Cool. That, and now actually it's quite interesting. I have some uh, higher level white belts that are, you know, going to be get, get uh, going to be aiming for their blue belt pretty soon. And they're, they're picking up those little things. And so when they're rolling with some of the, the newer people in class that uh, don't have any stripes or anything like that, they're starting to do that with the new ones. So they'll like try for a move and they'll be like, no, I screwed that up. Hold on. Let's, let's, I get, let me do that again. And they'll immediately adjust and jump into that next phase of just constant. I got to do it better. Like, how do I do that? No, that doesn't work. Why is this not working? Da, da, da. And I got a rash guard. <laughs> I got a rash guard made that says it's easier if you do it right. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> it's, it started because a couple of our, uh, oh, a couple of our students we were rolling with and they were like, man, this move doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? It just, it never works. And so I did it with them really slowly and I let them do it to me. And then I was like, okay, well, hold on, stop right here. Feel the weight, move your leg, like small minor adjustments. And I was like, feel the balance tip over. And as soon as they felt they're like, oh, of course. So if I do it right, it's easier. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. Yeah. And so it became kind of a joke now every time somebody's struggling with something and we'll, you know, we'll go and correct it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's easier if you do it right. And that, so I got the rash guard made. And now every time somebody is like, oh, so if I go for the Osotogari and I have pressure going backwards, then the trip is easier. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> 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 Little things like that. So it's, uh, it's fun. But yeah, it, there's so many, so many ways to apply the, uh, those lessons. If you look at them as lessons rather than oh, I'm getting dumped on, or that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm doing everything right. Look how awesome I am, blah, blah, blah. And I speaking from experience, I was that guy, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I had a chip on my shoulder, four inches thick. I knew what I was doing. Nobody else did. Yeah. And you know, I, I paid the consequences for it. I, my career went not the way I wanted it to go. I didn't get the courses I wanted to go on. I didn't get to do the things that I wanted to do because I had that chip on my shoulder because I was so uh, arrogant about the fact that I knew what I was talking about. And like I did, <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. I had the, uh, the knowledge base to back it up, but the chip on my shoulder didn't allow me to learn anything else mm. on top of that. So you know, hard lessons. These things weren't, uh, uh, they, they didn't just like come up into my head like, oh, perfect. Now I know how to do this. No, I, I, <laughs> I paid the, let, uh, I paid the man on many occasions for, uh, for those lessons. So it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great lesson. Sometimes you gotta learn it the hard way. Yeah, no, that's true. And, you know, we always say that, you know, if we could have a coach, if I, if, if we could have a coach when I was 20 years old, you know, the, how, how much further, you know, a, a guy would be right. You know, that's a, it's an interesting point too, is that if you had a coach that much earlier, would you have listened to him? And this is the lesson that I learned very early because there are lots of things that I've been learning in the last two, three years. Um, you know, getting the collective started and working with, uh, with Sean and the level of, and the pace that he sets is high. <laughs> his, his standard is high and it was much higher than mine, um, at the beginning. And now we're, we're, we're definitely, uh, running the same page, but the, uh, the lesson that all these lessons that I learned through the collective of like, oh man, humility. Yeah, of course that makes so much sense. And oh, leadership. Oh no. Oh, okay. 
and that attitude matters and how you learn and how you, you talk to people, all these things. And, you know, with some perspective, I look back at my career and I go, oh, there were people trying to tell me this stuff then too. And I wasn't listening. I, I had, I had the thoughts on it. <laughs> I just wasn't there to listen. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you look back at a 20 year old self and say, oh man, if I had, if I had done so on and so forth, or if somebody had told me so on and th- whatever lesson, who's to say you would have listened to begin with. And on top of that, you would not be here doing this conversation trying to help other people if you hadn't gone through those things. So who knows what would have I think happened. If you had the right coach then chance, you know, like even, you know, if you want to, if you want to refer to it, like kids, like, uh, like that age that Greg teaches or any, any really kids c- coming up who want to get to that next level or that next stage, you know, they're all those ones that, you know, may push back the first time. I mean, I think if that's just human nature, just to push back, I, yeah. I don't think anybody's just going to be like, Oh, well, why didn't you uh, say that yesterday? I would have done that yesterday. You know, it, it doesn't happen like that. So I think if you do have the right coach, even at 20 or at 12 and you push back and and then they give their reason as to why that's doing it by that. I think you understand as quicker than somebody who wouldn't have a coach. How's that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If having a coach versus not a hundred percent. And you're absolutely right in that the right coach that at that time in your life, makes worlds of difference. I mean, look at the high performers out there, right? The people that really, um, you know, they, they, they set a goal. I'm going to be in the Olympics and then just hammer it in. And they have that coach that's right there with them, just pushing them just that little bit, pushing them that little bit, consistently driving that person to get to where they go and they get to the Olympics and they kick ass and they do their thing. Those are the types of people that, you know, at the right time, they had the right coach with the right mindset, with the right blah, 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 to get them to those positions. And then there are other people you look, I mean, I think Mike Tyson was saying, it was just like, I, I had to make every mistake in the book. Didn't matter what anybody tell me. I'm, I'm gonna do the opposite just because you told me, you know, that kind of stuff. So depend, it really depends on the person and the, how they accept that, uh, that information. But to your point, the right coach at the right time can do wonders and you can set somebody on a path that will you know define their life anybody listening to this if you have an open mindset i don't give a shit what you do i don't care what industry you're in or who you are if you have an open mindset we talked about michael jordan a lot michael jordan was arguably the best basketball player ever believe it or not he had a coach <laughs> like you know what i mean he just doesn't wake up and become the greatest it doesn't happen that way and you need that that coach or that team or those people that always have to build you up or lift you up or take you to that next level. So if there's anybody listening to this, change your mindset, change your outcome. That's all there is to it. Absolutely right. And all the greats, you know, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Kobe Bryant, like you name it, they all, every single one of them had a coach and every Mm -hmm. single one of them had the same thing in common is that they wanted to know more. How do we know more? So be, you know, Sean says it all the time, be curious, go with a curious mindset start asking questions and then don't just ask questions though find the answers and that's the that's the next piece that that that's what makes champions that's what makes um you know high performers become high performers is that how do we do it better how do i make this like even half a percent better every single time Mm -hmm. now whether or not it actually comes out comes to fruition that same question pops up that next morning how do we do it better right and you can have a horrible training session (laughs) like there's been lots of times I've been on the mats trying to uh, figure out a particular move and just being like, I don't, I, I don't understand how you get your legs to do that thing where all of a sudden now we're here. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I've spent hours, hours just trying to figure it out. And every, every time I step back on the mats, it's that same, okay, well, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Let's try it again. Let's see what, see what's next. Let's see what's uh, that next drive. And I think that that. That's what spurs people to be extremely high performers is just constantly asking that question. Same thing I said at the beginning, right? Is you wake up every day, take the lesson. Cool. Move on to the next one. Dump whatever it was. We had, uh, we had a former Delta guy, uh, Mike Pannone on the show a couple days ago. And 
think it was yesterday and he said the exact same thing right just figure out what needs to be fixed or done better or done faster or whatever take that lesson apply it and then dump it instead of hanging out with it or letting it affect the next shot or that next uh whatever it is you're doing just take it take it apply it dump it move on I think the greatest thing you know that that's can be taken out of that is Michael Jordan said that he missed more shots than he made. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to you're not going to hit it every time. You're not going to you're not going to excel every time. And that's why you know you wake up and you like you say you dump it and then you just kind of I'm not going to say start all over again, but you mm-hmm. you you take that lesson that you just you know put in the the old uh, think tank and, and, you know, make it better or change it or alter it or do whatever you have to do in order for it to get better. That's, that's having an open mindset. Yeah. I heard a, uh, I heard a really great line about, and it was talking about like transitioning from the military and it was, um, you're not starting over, you're starting from experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is, that's very poignant. And it is exactly that, but it's just on a daily basis or on a smaller uh, iteration basis. It's like, uh, you know, if I'm not talking about a daily thing, if I want to do, I don't know, carpentry better, well, I'll, I'll work on a piece. And then that particular piece, whether, however it turns out, even, you know, if I make it in 20 minutes, I'm like, eh, didn't really like that. Okay, start again. Boom. And just, but from that experience, okay, well, I know that using this particular tool gives me this particular outcome. I don't really like that outcome. So I'm going to try a different tool. Bang, engage it. And you could do that consistently throughout, you know, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, um, it's a pretty consistent tool if you can apply it. And one of the other things that kicked in my head is the fact that what's the, what's the best average for a baseball player, like a world-class MLB highest paid dude in the world, his average batting is like 380. So you're looking at like 38% and he's the best in the world at hit at doing that job. So I don't actually know the number. I'm not, don't quote me on that by any means. But... <laughs> you might know he's a bit of a baseball nerd. What's the number? 356 was the all time greatest batting average. But in this day and age, chance at that, it's guys who hit 250, so 25%. Okay. Guys who hit 250 and hit 40 home runs make 30 million. So right. the guys who are hitting three, if you like, if, if there was a guy that was hitting 380, let's say, like you just said, those guys aren't going to make it. Because they're not the people who are determining the factor of the game. Yeah, they're getting on base and it's, it's great. That's not sexy. <laughs> Hitting home yeah. runs is sexy. And striking out is sexy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Swinging for it, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's it, right? Like the, uh, but, you know, it's to that, to that point, though, if you're looking at it that way, is that, you know, one, you're going you're gonna to do something correctly so that it works really well one quarter of the time. So you're going to attempt four and you're going to get one. And that's, that's a really good average <laughs> versus uh, what I think most people will kind of assume that you should have like a 95 or 98% average to you know constantly be successful. Mm-hmm. No, you're just going to keep failing over and over and over again. And you're going to, that's going to click and you're going to fail again. And then that's going to click and you're going to fail again and then fail again. And if like, that's the cycle, you just got to say it all the time, you know, you know, embrace the suck enjoy the process, yeah. any other taglines you want to add to it, yeah. but it is yeah. just like, accept that failure happens and then keep, keep working. And that's the wonderful thing. There's no time limit on greatness. Oh, you missed your goal. Great. Start again. Keep moving. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't have goals. Great. Start them, make them, make create them. Oh, you failed on your goal. Great. Move the needle forward a month, two months. Keep chasing yeah. it. Keep going. Keep driving. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, I heard this old, story and this is from i don't know when i picked this up but i've been using it for years and it's uh when is the best time to plant a tree 25 years ago when's the second best time to plant a tree right now so (laughs) yeah (laughs) what are you waiting for and i use it in jiu-jitsu all the time right people jump in at the mats and they're like oh i wish i'd started this 20 years ago i'm like that yeah sure great you're here now great (laughs) you can't do anything about 20 years ago so yeah yeah, exactly. But Never you can do, you can do right now and you can yeah. do today. So let's do it. Let's keep, yeah. let's keep hammering, man. That's, that's why it's on my mug. Do your best every day. You begin, begin. Check. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Chance, uh, 
this has been a fantastic conversation. But before we let you go, where can Hive Nation find you? Oh, all over the place. No, the, the um, Instagram is the way to go for me. I, I, I have a Facebook page, but I don't really use it anymore. Um, but yeah, Instagram is the way to go. So at Mascro Burl, so at M-C-P-L-B-U-R-L-E-S, um, or at The Collective, which is uh, at the underscore collective underscore I-G. And if you're on YouTube, then it's uh, at the underscore collective underscore Y-T for YouTube. And uh, that's really where we're at. Most of my time is spent on The Collective, on Instagram, and with my family or on the mats trying to choke up my friends <laughs> you know that's, that's what i try to do most of the time and uh yeah one of the interesting things is i, I challenged myself just recently to to do the nymegan march uh, i challenged uh, this past summer i was like you know i've always wanted to do it while i was in the military and i never got an opportunity to do it while i was in so screw it let's get to work so that's the next thing that i'm working on and i'm hitting the rucksack and going for marches and going for long walks and stuff like that just to actually as soon as I'm done with you guys I'm gonna throw my my ruck on and go for a little jaunt and then uh but yeah that again to the to the point is you know uh, you you said earlier in my bio leader follower student teacher all these things well I'm gonna start something new get back into rucking smash out a smash out a goal and I'm gonna fail a whole bunch of times on the way there yep but I'll make it regardless of time so well, good on you, Chance. Yeah, I am happy to uh, just. I'm I'm happy to happy to hang out and have these conversations with people. I think there's so much good that comes out of these conversations that uh, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to sit down and chat about these topics as often as you know we do, or the fact that I do every day. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but it's uh, well, it's our pleasure to have you within our network because. Uh... You know, we, we aim to have people like you within our network on a daily basis. And so it, it really is our pleasure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to one-up you on that one because it's more of my pleasure than it is yours. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome, well, gents. Thanks. With that, Hive Nation, we're out.